What is up, guys? Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Pierce Shaw, and I'm here with my buddy, Justin Andrus. We met at the Million Dollar Mastermind, Ryan Steumann's event, a couple weeks ago. And I'm super excited to bring you this interview with Justin. Justin's involved in real estate and in Forex and, you know, some Bitcoin stuff. And so, you know, I'm really excited to, to dive into a little bit of his story and then also, you know, go into all the things he's investing in. So, Justin, you know, welcome to the show. And uh, can you please just give uh, the audience a little better context on who you are and, and where you're at in your journey? Perfect, perfect. First and foremost, thanks, Pierce, for having me on this. I'm, I'm grateful to be here. I, I love talking about my story and things that I've done. And, and basically, my main goal is to really be able to help somebody else out that is trying to be in one of these areas or just trying to get a takeaway from, you know, maybe some of the experience that I've had. So um, I guess I'll, I'll start with kind of where, I, where I've been. You know, I've, um, I'm, I'm 37 from Chicago. Um, and I, I've had a kind of an interesting journey. You know, I've, I've done a lot of different things in life and ultimately it led me to where I'm at now as an entrepreneur, um, small business owner, and then also still serving a part-time in the military. So, um, I'll go back maybe about five years to when I started my first business. Um, I, my first business is actually a fleet technology installation company. So service company, basically. Um, I had no intention of starting my business. I think I just had an opportunity that kind of fell in my lap. And um, I was able to now grow a business. And as time went on, after a year or two, I started learning more about business. I started surrounding myself with other business owners um, and trying to learn as much as I can on how to be effective in just growing this, this core business of mine. Um, it brought me to events, you know, like the Million Dollar Mastermind, where you and I just met recently here a few weeks back in Dallas. Um, but I like to go to these events where I can learn and surround myself with other people. So um, fast forward a little bit to about two years ago, uh, my first business, by the way, I started about, it's been almost six years now. So um, uh, back about two years ago, I wanted to get into um, other, other different endeavors, just kind of looking at you know, other opportunities to look at. Um, now that I had grown my fleet business and it was kind of not fully functional without me, but enough where I could step away and pursue other opportunities. Mm -hmm. So um, a, um, a counterpart of mine in the, in the industry, in my fleet industry, uh, him and I have always had interest in looking at other opportunities to grow wealth and and, and look at other business opportunities. So him and I were talking about real estate and we had run across real estate wholesaling um, which has become really popular, you know, the last few years. Um, and there may be some people out there that don't fully understand what it is, but basically in a nutshell, real estate wholesaling is where you are looking for kind of older houses that need work. Um, the rundown, maybe, you know, somebody's going through a foreclosure, maybe it's an elderly person that can't keep track of, you know, the, the, the repairs on a house, right? And they want to get rid of it. So a wholesaler is basically the middleman between the person that owns that house and, the, and an investor who is actually going to do the repairs. Mm -hmm. So um, it's really interesting because it is one of those awesome opportunities where you don't need a lot of money. You don't need to have good credit. It doesn't have anything to do with your credit. 
um, and you are physically, you know, you are physically not having to use your own money to buy this property. So it, it, it expounds on, on something that a lot of people talk about in a lot of the big popular books, Rich Dad, Poor Dad is one example on using other people's money. Mm. So basically what happens is you find this opportunity, um, you negotiate with the homeowner to buy it at a certain price, and then you're connecting that deal to this investor over here who's going to buy it, who's going to put up the cash. Mm-hmm. And you actually make a fee for it. So your fee is basically, it can be anything from, you know, a couple thousand to, you know, I know people that have made five, six figures on a wholesale deal. So mm-hmm. it really just depends on the spread. The spread's a big thing. So um, the, the, the opportunity in this space was awesome because, um, like I said, it really just came down to hustle and grind really is, is okay. pretty good work. And I, I, I don't even kid when I say you don't need a lot of money. I probably in the very beginning spent less than a hundred dollars a month on stuff because really all I'm doing is, uh, you know, you can acquire, you can acquire leads different ways, but I was started out just driving around neighborhoods looking mm-hmm. for these houses. Cause that's one of the most uh, sought after ways of getting some of these leads. Cause you see the property in person and you see the condition it is. So, you know, that property is something that an investor would like to acquire if the price is right. Um, so I would drive around to, you know, to look for these houses. I would build a list of them and then I would just cold call them. Uh, you know, I would, um, you use like a, a skip tracing, um, software. What did you use to get the, the information for the homeowner? Right. So I would actually, I would get that list of properties and then yes, I would take the list and actually send it off to a service to get skip traced and they would send back the phone numbers. And then from there, of course, I would, I would cold call. Um, and just reach out to the people and basically just say, Hey, um, you know, I know this calls out of the blue, but, uh, you know, I was calling about this property. I wanted to reach out. I'm, I'm actually a local rehabber and wanted to see if you would consider an offer on the property. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it takes a lot of work because, you know, some of these people get a lot of these phone calls from other yeah. investors, as well, but, um, it's really just, it's a numbers game is what I always tell people. It, it works. It is a functional, scalable business but it, it takes time, right? It takes time where you have to put in the work and call people. Yeah. Um, and then in between there, it's really just, you know, there's some other steps, of course, too. you know, like if someone says yes and they're open to it, now you have to figure out what your offer is. To me, that's really the easy part because, um, you know, it's once you've done one, you kind of go through and do the same one. Like I, you know, I use a sheet where I analyze, you know, the different repairs it needs. So I know, all right, it needs this, needs this, needs this. Uh-huh. I can add up what the repairs would cost. And then finding out what the house would be worth after it's fixed up, fixed up is pretty easy. Yeah. Just comparing it to the comparable properties that have sold recently. So, yeah, that's really cool. So, you know, when you're analyzing deals and stuff like that, you know, how did you learn to analyze deals and, you know, figure out how many, how much repairs it, it needed and what that value would be, you know, after that market value that, you know, it would take it to and sell for? So uh, I actually, when I first, when me and my my partner had gotten started in, in wholesaling, we uh, we actually took a couple courses. There's a lot of really good courses out there. They're not super expensive um, that actually teach you all the steps uh, of the process. Like, you know, there's so much information. I love yeah. you know, where we're at right now in life where we just, there's so much information out there where you can learn almost anything for very minimal cost compared to, you know, say getting like a college degree or something like that. It's, it's very mm-hmm. minimal compared to what you can even make in that opportunity too. So um, I took a course, it taught me everything pretty much start to finish. 
obviously like any opportunity, you have to still get out there and kind of learn things for yourself. And there's going to be certain things that might be slightly different, um, you know, in your market, but essentially really, I had the roadmap and all the tools on how to do it. Now it was tasked to me to go out there and put in the work every single day. So yeah, I learned from a course. It was that simple, really. Um, uh-huh. and, and there's even a lot of like really good free information out there on YouTube and just YouTube university. Exactly. YouTube's awesome. I just, I love it. I can, you can literally type almost anything and say, how can I make a million dollars? Right. Or how can I do this and that? And you can find a lot of, you may not necessarily be able to get the whole piece of the puzzle, but you can find enough of that information out there to really kind of light the fire in your brain and say, this is either something I want to do, or maybe it's something that's too much, right? We can't, we're not all built for, for every single field out there, but Uh Um, it was, it was that simple. It was really just getting information and learning it and then doing it. Yeah. So I got to ask you why, um, real estate did you go into, um, specifically, you know, when you could have, you know, gone to, there are a lot of ways to make money. So I just wanted to to ask that. So for me with now, obviously I've kind of laid out what wholesaling is the end for me is to not just do wholesaling. I want to own my own properties and I want to own rental properties, which creates passive income, right? So the yeah. goal for me getting into real estate, like most people, is to build wealth and to ultimately grow some passive income where I don't have to work for the money. Ultimately, yeah. with my wholesaling business, I'm still having to put in the work to get yes. the money, right? I want to ultimately own my own properties where I can, um, I can own properties, I can have assets and I can Mm -hmm. have passive income. And that's really, you know, to me, how I want to build the kind of lifestyle that I want. I I want to be able to have the opportunity to scale and grow a business that creates passive income for me so that I can step away to whatever endeavors I want to do. If I want to travel, or maybe I want to pursue another business or even like a nonprofit potentially someday, like Passive income and real estate really allows you to do that. And there's a lot of people that I've learned from done the same thing that I'm trying to model my, uh, you know, my wealth building strategy after. So that was kind of one of the big things. And if, like everyone else too, I've read a lot of books about real estate and it really yeah. lit a fire into me. Like, why am I not doing this? Exactly. Like, I should have done this 10 years ago, but it's not about the past, right? The moment is now. Exactly. Yeah. That's a question I have because yeah, after I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I was like real estate and uh, I'm still definitely like, I want to get a duplex or something here. Yeah. My, my next place. Um, to try and make that happen. Uh, it just for listeners to rich dad, poor dad is an amazing book written by Robert Kiyosaki that teaches you all about, you know, real estate and, and creating um, passive income. And it's a lot of, would, would you say it's, a, it's an entry point for a lot of people into real estate and getting them interested? I'll be honest, almost everyone that I've met in real estate has read that book. Yeah. And, and, and beyond that, a lot of people that are successful in business and entrepreneurs and even people that work for other people, people that just want to grow their wealth, like that is basically the, it's the, I don't want to call it the holy grail necessarily, but it is really just, I'll call it a primer, right? Because um, it, it's a primer for really, it, it's a mindset book to me more than anything, because yeah. we I didn't grow up in a wealthy family. I grew up in a middle income family. My parents were never wealthy. My grandparents were never wealthy. So um, I had a good life, right? I was never without anything, but my parents didn't know how to build wealth. You know, yeah. my grandparents didn't know how to build wealth. Um, and you really, it, it, it's that shift 
from being in, you know, maybe that mindset of, hey, I need to get an education or I need to get a job to go pay for the things I want and pay the bills. Yeah. From making that shift to, hey, I need to figure out instead of I need to work for money, I need to figure out how to make money work for me. And mm-hmm. that I think is the biggest, you could really sum up a majority of that book to that single point on instead of trying to find ways to work for money, find mm-hmm. out ways to make money work for you. And that's how most people get really wealthy and become very successful in life is by finding ways to make money work for you. Cause we all have the, uh, essentially the same amount of hours in the day. Yeah. Uh, we can change what we do within those hours and be more efficient. But ultimately, if we want to get really successful, grow wealth um, and, and do some really big things in life, we really have to figure out how to make money work for us. And that was the big point of the book for me. Yeah. When, when did that light bulb like go off? Was that when you were reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad? Or I'm curious. Honestly, like I said, when I, when I started my first business, I just it was so accidental. Like there's so many people out there. I know that like have always wanted to own a business or had the plan when they started the business. I didn't, it was completely accidental as far as, um, sure. Maybe I thought about it in the back of my head. Yeah. It'd be cool to own my own business, but I didn't really have a plan in place to say, all right, now I'm going to go do this. Um, I really just, I had an opportunity that fell in my lap and I was like, this would be cool. Right. And then I, so I got into it more and I really just was intrigued by business and being able to build wealth. And then I think throughout the process, I don't remember the specific moment, but it it was around the time when I started reading books like rich dad, poor dad and getting Mm -hmm. around other people that I was hearing all the same stuff over and over again. And I'm like, there's something to this, right? The information there, I, I think a lot of people think that being wealthy is difficult. And I'm not going to call it easy necessarily, because it does take a lot of work. But I think the biggest part of that is the mindset shift. Because if you're a hardworking person, that part's easy, right? You know how to work hard. You may have to figure out what specific things to do. But making that mindset shift of, hey, I, I, I don't need to work for money. I just need to find ways to, for money to work for me and just changing the mindset that we've basically grown up on, right? Yeah. We don't know any better, right? It's not our fault. We just never had the information because our parents didn't know. And maybe our friends growing up didn't know. We just weren't around those people. Yeah. Um, so I think that just that light bulb just, just lit at some point early in my first business as I was in this um, information accumulation stage. Because I'm one of those people that, my whole life, I will say conclusively, my whole life, I love to learn things, right? Yeah. And I've done so many different things in my life. Uh, I have the fleet business. I do real estate. I'm a military trained photographer and videographer. Um, I, I've, I got my computer science degree a few years ago. Uh, so I, I know how to code and do software. So th- I've done a lot of different things. So like, yeah. I enjoy learning and learning new things. Because when something intrigues me, I attach to it. And I know mm-hmm. I don't have to worry about like, Hey, uh, I'm going to get bored with this. Yes, there's challenging times, but ultimately I want to see it to the finish kind of a thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's really incredible. I think that's why I'm going to title this, this episode though. It's like that, that idea, that light bulb of, you know, having money work for you as opposed to working for money. And that's what the most successful people are able to do. It's not like they're, you know, still at, they don't like have to put in 12 hour days as you know, when you do in the beginning, like you have to put in more work, not saying, you know, you have to put in 12 hour days, but it's a grind, you know, getting started, like you said, with the sweat equity, with the wholesaling, like you have to go out and drive for dollars, you need to go and find the deals. 
But once you, you know, get into those rental portfolios and, and things like that, you can get that passive income. One, one example I wanted to give for your audience too, just to, to make it kind of materialize a little bit more about how you can almost work less and make more kind of a thing in the, in my real estate space. Cause you know, since we're talking about that um, it's, it's funny because for, for the longest time, right. Going back to just working for money, working for a company or even having my fleet business, right. I still have to work to produce income in the real estate Yes, I was working to produce it, but I was finding opportunities. And I, I don't even kid you, I found some deals where I did very little work. And when I mean very little, I obviously I'm going through and calling people, but I found a couple different people that were willing to sell their property. I had one phone conversation and one visit to the property just to look around, and take pictures. And then I connected the deal with somebody else. And I probably all in all spent maybe a couple hours. That's it. And I made more money on that deal than I've made in entire months in my life. Like wow. that, it's just, it, it, and it, I think the first time I did that, my very first deal, it, that was another light bulb moment where I was like, man, I really didn't do that much for this, but I made a lot of money. And that's exciting because that's the point of what we're talking about of how yeah. to uh, not just make money work for you, but be more efficient at what you're doing, right? Mm -hmm. The information was there. I didn't need a real estate license. Um, I didn't need some proprietary software. I just needed a little piece of it, little bit of information on how mm -hmm. to find these properties and call them. And it, like, eventually it was just like, this is not art. And that really excited me because that leads me down the path of where I want to be at. You know, so many years, right? I would be like, oh, I've made pretty good money, but I had to grind and grind for it. And now I'm finding ways where I haven't had to do as much work and I'm making more. So now what if I translate that grind to now this area where I just did a few hours? What if I take that full like eight hours or whatever I spent on a typical working day yeah. and did that all to real estate? Now, what am I really producing? And that yeah. would that, that was a huge light bulb moment for me once I got in the real estate space it was like, cause when I, I'll be honest, when I first got into it, like a lot of people, I was like, this just, this sounds too good. I feel like somebody's pushing a course on me and it's just not as good because I, I think a majority of things in life that sound really good don't end up being good, but there are some of these moments and some of these opportunities there. And I think when you become an entrepreneur, you get better at um, analyzing those opportunities and saying, yeah, this is not legit or something over here. You know what? There's something to it, right? Mm. And you don't know until you try it. So like, once again, real estate is awesome because wholesaling is really kind of, it, it's, it, it's kind of a newer thing, right? It's not uh, super new, but it's like less than 10 years old kind of a concept, right? Yeah. And, you know, we could go, we could talk all day about real estate, but there's other things like, you know, Airbnb uh, and even it, it's funny enough, you can actually, they have, um, um, people that do what's called Airbnb arbitrage, which you don't even own properties. So these are just examples that I bring up about opportunity in real estate where the old school way of real estate was, Hey, I need a bunch of cash to go buy a house and now fix it up. So most people are like, I can't be in real estate. I don't have 50, hundred thousand, whatever it is to buy a house and do repairs. Like I don't, I, can't, I don't have enough money. And that's what I thought initially too, until I came across this and seeing just different opportunities of, I don't need a lot of cash. Mm -hmm. I don't need 
I don't need a degree. I don't need a real a realtor's license. I just need to be motivated to take this information and go out there and apply it. And it was, it was really just that. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. And it's like the whole concept of using other people's money as well and different creative financing strategies mm-hmm. to, to try and um, be able to get in the game without, you know, much, much money and to wholesaling is a crazy way to, to do that. Um, but I wanted to ask you what's next for you in investing in real estate. Like, are you looking at getting into like duplexes or, or multifamilies or, or what does that look like for you? So I've, I've had the pleasure of being around investors that have been successful for many years and seeing different types of approaches on things that people do. Um, one, one place that I've followed really that I've learned a lot of from real estate um, is bigger pockets. Mm-hmm. Uh, bigger pockets is a forum and they also have bigger pockets podcast which you can catch on youtube and other places and they just lots of information where they would actually interview people in uh traditional real estate that are realtors they interview people like me that are wholesalers and mm-hmm. and they are fixed flip or buy and hold all these different strategies right so i've gotten to you know, be around a lot of these and figure out maybe kind of what I want to do. And ultimately, I'm still kind of figuring that out myself. Mm-hmm. One conclusive thing I know, just going back to what I said to you early on, is I want to own my own properties. Mm-hmm. I want to build a portfolio of properties. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the concept of apartments because um, single families are great. But as they say a lot in bigger pockets, there's only, you only have, you know, people will talk about properties like doors, right? So, mm-hmm. A single family essentially has one door, whereas mm-hmm. an apartment complex has how many ever doors? If it's a 10 mm-hmm. unit, you get 10 doors and it's still one piece of property. So that's why a lot of people, as they evolve and they grow in real estate, there are some people that just, they want to own a bunch of single families, but then there's other people that get into the apartment complexes and stuff like that. And I think ultimately that's in the long term of things. That's where I want to be. I would like to have mm-hmm. uh, apartment complexes. Um, where it, it's just when when you're managing a lot of properties, you got to find a way to do it the most efficient way possible. Yeah. And while it's not to say that having single family properties can't build you wealth and doesn't create opportunity, there is a certain there's a different level of legwork in that. Where mm-hmm. when you once you have so many amount of properties, especially if they're rental properties and you have tenants in them, someone's got to manage those properties. Yeah. You got to collect yeah. the rent. Someone's got to handle the maintenance and repairs. Somebody's got to do all the legwork to keeping those properties going and keeping tenants in them and keep them cash flowing essentially is the bottom Mm -hmm. line. Whereas an apartment complex, yes, same concept. Of course, there's maintenance and stuff, but it is still one structure. Mm -hmm. So um, in a lot of ways, it is simpler. So I think just going back to the question, you know, what do I want to do here in the future? Uh, Ultimately, I want to scale my business, my, my wholesaling business and grow that. But the end goal for me is to is to own properties, and I think apartment complexes and larger, um, you know, larger unit properties are something that I'm I've been really interested in. Yeah, that's incredible. That's awesome, man. Well, well one of my one of my mentors, you know, someone that I followed for a long time, Grant Cardone, talks about that a lot. Yeah, He's very anti single family. Uh huh. Talks about it, um, and I see why. Right, like you know, because the he's he's now at the point where he's grown, you know, he has his business card on capital and they, they have, that's what they do. They have large complexes, but these are in like 
a lot of them in Florida, right? So in nicer areas. So, but he he's grown his portfolio in that sector of his business to I think he's close to two billion in assets. That's great, which is incredible, you know. So and 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 through the through the um, through the good times and bad, you know. So I just enjoy you know reading about people's stories like that, and it kind of motivates me to mm-hmm. to want to get to that point someday. And I, I know conclusively that I'll, I'll get to a point where I where I have assets and stuff. So uh, I'm really excited for that. Mm-hmm. That's incredible, man. Yeah, that's really exciting. So I kind of want to shift gears because I saw on your profile that you were, you know, uh, trading Bitcoin a little bit and stuff like that. And I wanted to ask you um, what interested you there and uh, what, how much you're kind of involved in, in trading cryptocurrency and stuff like that. Sure. So I think uh, the, the first time I ran across Bitcoin, um, ironically, was I think it was about it was about 2012, 2013. This was funny enough, right when I started my first business, the guy that helped me get my first business off the ground, who's, uh, who's now a financial advisor, mm. had told me about Bitcoin. And mm. this was early on. This is when a lot of people didn't know about it. And there was a lot of speculation that it was really just used for um, illegal activities, right? People buying stuff on the black market, this and that. And so I didn't know a lot about it. Sadly enough, I did not invest in it at that point. I wish I would have, but, you know, reflection moment, right? So I learned about it at that point. As years went on, I started getting more interested in it um, because of the technology side of it, since I'm a tech person and I understand the underlying fundamentals of Bitcoin Mm -hmm. as a cryptocurrency and as a a digital um, medium of exchange. Um, And so I just, I got really interested in you know, trading it because it had gotten to the point in around 2016 and 17 when I started getting into it that um, it, it was it was a lot safer to trade. There was American exchanges where you can trade on it, and I'm like, you know what? I want to once again going back to the light bulb moment of wanting to do more and just doing something new. I want to build wealth. Trading would be really cool, you know. And this is not just to me. Like stocks have never really been my thing. Like. And trading in general was never never fully excited me because yes, you can make a lot of money, of course, but there's so many ways to make money. But for me, yes. now I'm attaching being able to make money to something that I, I'm really interested in, right? Because this is the future of money. This is the future of exchanges of value to me. Yeah. So Bitcoin was really cool. I got into trading it. I was lucky to be a part of the bull run in 2017, 18, which was the wildest thing I've ever experienced. Like, What was that like? like honestly, like at that point I had no skill in trading, right? I knew how to trade. I know how to buy it. I know how to sell. I knew what to do, but I wasn't like a good trader at that point. And it, it was crazy because it was almost like me and my friend always talk about it. And it was like throwing darts at a dartboard. You pick a crypto, you buy it and you just watch it go up. And it was, it was so wild because I remember telling a friend of mine, because I had been doing it for a couple of months then, and I was making a lot of money at it, like just not used to making this much money. Yeah. Um, and I was like, man, if this keeps going, like, like I don't need to work, <laughs> you know? So like, and ultimately it came down and it went into a, a long bear market for several years until uh, the end of last year. But like, it was a great learning experience on, you know, getting into that realm. And now here in this second bull run, I've, I've learned so much from the previous one. And once again, just, it's something that interests me because I'm not just in it to make money. Um, I like, you know, the fundamental technology uh, behind a lot of these projects and we can can talk for days. Yeah. 
can you can you break down the fundamental technology behind like Bitcoin and stuff? So just to give the audience a good grasp for what it is. Exactly. So a cryptocurrency is basically it's a it's a digital um, ex- store of value. I like to call it. So Bitcoin was originally founded. Um, to be a store of value that was decentralized. And decentralized is it's not centrally controlled by a bank. We're used to, um, you know, in today's society and society forever, we're used to getting our money through the banking system, right? So the banks control uh, the flow of money. Whereas Bitcoin was designed, you know, for the people uh, in mind, instead of having to rely on a bank for you know your your money or your assets and stuff you can directly buy a cryptocurrency and now you own it right like you don't have to go through the bank for it like it is decentralized and it is controlled by everyone around the world that participates in this system um and you know it's it's just it's awesome because it is it, it even older people that i've talked to and even people my age and younger it is kind of a difficult concept to explain sometimes because people are like, it's not, people are used to the physical side of money, right? Like I want to hold a dollar bill or I want to hold my credit card. Right. But if you think about it, like the way we use our credit cards and this and that, like that's a similar concept, right? We're just swiping. Right. So we're, we're, yes, we have a physical card, but digitally our money is being moved from one bank to another. Bitcoin's really not that different, right? You have a certain amount of Bitcoin and you want to buy something or you just want to hold it and watch it appreciate. You still have to spend your actual money to get it, but it 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 is to me it's just it's so uh interesting because it it uh, one big element of Bitcoin that's huge and part of its growth is as opposed to regular dollars, which, you know, our treasury just prints on demand, right? Like it, inflation just yeah. is crazy. So they can say how much money is in circulation and it doesn't matter. The supply can continue to go up because the treasury says, hey, we're going to print some more money. Whereas Bitcoin will only have a certain amount of coins ever mined. Like when it's oh, done, wow. when everything and when every coin is is done being mined, which is still many, many years down the road, um, there will only ever be so many Bitcoin. And over the course of time, some of those get lost. Right? You can, someone can send it to the wrong address or something can happen. So the supply actually goes down. And that in and of itself makes it a valuable, um, a, a valuable asset because there will only ever be so much. And actually yeah. over time, will become less of it. So that inherently in itself drives the value up because the demand of people wanting this thing continues to go higher and higher. And even mm-hmm. nowadays, they, you know, we're starting to run across an issue where the supply in the exchanges that allow people to buy it and trade it is become lower and lower. Bitcoin, Ethereum, and some of these bigger cryptocurrencies the, that don't have a huge supply, the supplies for exchanges is at all-time lows, which is also driving the price up because there's less of it to buy. Wow. So, um, Question for just, you. Oh, so were you going to say something? Um, I was just going to say, so to give listeners context, if they're not listening to it right when uh, it's it's May 20th right now. And yesterday, if I'm correct, Bitcoin went down a considerable amount. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So what exactly caused that? And also, where do you see it going from here? So, you know, it's funny because as much as Bitcoin has become so popular and the prices went from pennies to, you know, at its peak, $60,000. 
you know, and now today we're hovering kind of around forty thousand dollars. Um, it is still in its infancy. It's only been around just over ten years, and a lot of things really cr create volatility in the crypto market. As much as it has grown and matured a bit since the last bull run, it is still a very immature and young market asset class. Um, and so a lot of things really produce volatility. And more recently, yesterday, when we had a plummet, um, it, a lot of it was caused by there was news coming out from China that China was going to ban Bitcoin or the use of Bitcoin just to some degree, right? Not completely banning it, but there's always there's been a lot of what we would call, you know, FUD, right? Which stands for fear, uncertainty, and doubt that really does cause the prices to start tanking, right? Because people are fearful of what's going to happen yeah. and start selling it. Um, ultimately, there was, I, I read really deep into what happened yesterday and there mm. was a lot more going on. It wasn't so much China, but okay. it was more so the amount of people that were over leveraged on positions. And when I say over leveraged, there's people that trade futures and they trade at high leverage and they bet whether the, the prices go up and down. Yeah. So, so many people were over leveraged that when a little dip was caused by some news, Very now sure. all these people were in these heavily, heavily leveraged positions actually got sold off and it just created a cascading effect. So I don't want to get super technical because yeah. it gets really deep on, on the fundamentals of what happens in the market. And I don't yeah. fully understand it yet, but yeah. ultimately it is still a young market um, and little things can cause volatility, but mm -hmm. volatility is good in some ways too, because yes, there may be swings down, but then there's extreme swings up yeah. as well. And it creates opportunity for people to make money. Yeah. So do you see like a swing up happening from that swing down? So it being like a good time to get in? I think me personally, because a lot of people will ask more so probably in bull markets when things are just going crazy than when they're down. I would say to anyone, don't think about the price so much. Think about buying Bitcoin and holding it for the long term, because mm. I don't care what the price is. If you believe in it long term and you really understand what's going on with Bitcoin and really how some of the big money in this world is starting to get into that area, it would be silly for you not to be buying Bitcoin or even some, some of the other cryptocurrencies because I, I see this as the future. It's not going away. A lot of people are fearful because of regulations and this and that, but so much good has happened in this space to allow it to grow mm -hmm. um, th that it's not going anywhere. It's a worldwide uh, you, you know, market, right? It trades 24 seven, 365. There's no market hours like the stock market. There's opportunity every second of the day. And ultimately, I know conclusively, we're going to look back, you know, 10, 15 years from now and say, man, I wish I would have bought Bitcoin at that price. Yeah. And so I don't ever doubt it. I don't care what the price is. If you're a person that is willing to put your money in and not be tempted to take it out and are willing to hold it for years, you will not regret it. But you have to have patience. Because once again, the volatility in these prices is wild. You know, you may buy it today and it may tank and you're looking at your money like it's dwindling away. But in reality, we're in it for the long haul, right? At some point, I know it's going to come back up and I'm not too worried about it, right? I've been through the, through the emotional swings of putting your money and it's hard not to get that way. I get it. Yeah. But you have to think of this as a very long-term thing to hold. And I, I, I've, I've posted about this before. But people that sleep on Bitcoin and cryptocurrencies will regret it. And now is, is no better time to get in. I think there's, there's opportunity out there. 
take just a, even if it's just a little bit amount of money, just maybe a little bit money every now and then and buy some and just hold on yeah. to it, put it away, forget about it. And, you know, down the road, it could be something that you hand off to your kids or maybe you sell it, right? Make some profit, whatever your strategy is. But this is one of those things that um, to me, like I'm in it for the long haul. I've been in it, you know, for several years now, and I know it's not going anywhere. Even if we see like 60, 70% price shaved off of Bitcoin, like I've seen it. I saw an 80% drop in Bitcoin's price after 2017 bull run, like in 2018, it was the craziest thing I ever saw. And the world was panicking and people are like, it's going to zero. And now here we are where like that peak was $20,000. It literally has tripled since then to get to its other high. So it's like, you know, the, when people are being fearful and this and that, it's the, like the Warren Buffett saying, when people are, when people are greedy, be fearful. When people are fearful, be greedy kind of a thing. And that, that doesn't mean you should be just going through um, your money at things when people are panicking, but it, it's really just thinking about the environment of, you know, whatever you're trying to put your money into and that, real estate included. Yeah. I love that. I love that, Justin. Now, as we come to the, the end of our time here, I really like to ask this last question to, to all my guests that I have on the show. And thank you so much for coming on. I've had such a blast. And that question is, you know, looking back at, at where you were in your early 20s, um, what kind of advice would you give yourself at, say, 20, 21 with regards to uh, investing? What kind of what would you tell young Justin? Man, you know what? It's, it's so funny because, like, I look at people like yourself and other people that I've met recently that are in their 20s and that are really getting getting at it now. Some people not even 21 yet, or I've seen 15, 16 year olds that are ambitious and like, I was, that was me. So if I could go back to my 20s, I would say really look at um, learning more about money. Just that simple concept because understanding money and what to do with it is the single most factor I think can change your life. And that's in, I, I don't mean, I just mean in the simplest of terms, like taking your money and instead of being tempted to buy something nice, buy a new car or watch, find a way to take that money. And it doesn't even have to go to investment. You can even invest in yourself, but investing in yourself could be as simple as maybe I need to go buy a course to learn how to do something like buying a course is an investment in yourself. That course I bought for wholesaling was an investment in me to mm -hmm. learn how to get into this field. So if I could tell myself anything what would be learn more about money and learn how to be smart with money, right? Because it doesn't matter if you make minimum wage or if you make six, seven figures a year, you can still get to the point where you're wealthy and you create opportunity for yourself by living in the now and being smart about how you spend your money. Like it, you can get as granular as you want and say, yeah. I'm going to like spend as little on food or whatever. So I can save as much money as possible, whatever you need to do, figure out how to be smarter with your money. Right. Because we, we can all be smarter with our money. So I think that simple premise is what I would tell myself. That's incredible. Learn more about money. I love that. I absolutely love that. And that's what we're all about here on the podcast. So um, Justin, where can people find you and uh, follow along with your journey? Perfect. So uh, I'm on Instagram. It's the J Andrus, A-N-D-R-A-S. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, Justin Andrus. That's uh, J-U-S-T-I-N, last name A-N-D-R-A-S. 
um, shoot me a, shoot me a message. I'm always open to helping people. I really have a passion for helping people. Um, I want to be able to help somebody get past a point that took me years to figure out, right? There's so much information out there and I'm all about helping people. Anyone that's interested in real estate, crypto, they want to pick my brain about the military. I don't care. Shoot me a message. I'm an open person. I love hearing from people. So feel free to reach out anytime. Amazing, man. All right. Thank you so much for coming on and thanks everyone for, for listening to the show. Cool. Thanks, Pierce.